Albert Einstein once said that if he was given an hour to solve a problem and his life depended upon it, he would spend the first 55 minutes trying to figure out the right question to ask. If we want to get to the truth, if we want to solve a problem, if we want to get to the heart of an issue, it's very important to know the right question to ask um, and to, to understand you know, how, to, how to probe something to really get the truth out of it. And this is something that Jesus understood very well. He, he asked some really good questions um, throughout the Gospels we see, you know, like, who do you say I am or do you love me? Some questions that, that really cut to the heart of the person he was speaking to or some questions that shocked or scandalized people because of the, the boldness with which he kind of got at the heart of the issue. But he also understood this when people were putting questions to him. He wasn't interested in the, the surface question because there's often, when we, when we bring a question to someone, there's, there's an issue behind that that's actually what's more important. And Jesus always wanted to get to the heart of the issue. And so when somebody brought a question to him, he very rarely just gave a straight answer. He would do a number of different things. He, he would ask a question in return, reply to their question with a question, or he would tell a story instead of giving an answer. Um, sometimes he would say nothing, but I'm not counting that as something that he does. Um, but the, the third thing I think he does is that he might answer the question directly, but in doing so, he actually like, reinterprets what the question means, um, shows it to be far more profound than what the asker had in mind. And he does this in lots of different moments in the Gospel, but in our passage today, I think he does all three of these. We have this lawyer comes up to Jesus and he starts with what is a good question, a, a simple question. Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And makes sense that he would ask that. You know, the whole purpose of the religion is to be united with God and to share in the eternal life that he offers us. So it's a very good question to ask. Makes a lot of sense. He's a religious teacher. I should ask him about how to attain this goal of our religion. And what does Jesus do first? He asks him a question in return. <laughs> and, and instead of answering the question himself, he basically tells the lawyer, what, how would you answer that question? What do you think the scriptures say about it? So we get this response. Uh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And you must love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer gets 10 out of 10. He gets an A+. Plus, he passes with flying colors. That is, that is the correct answer. Um, and Jesus says so. But if that was really the question that the lawyer wanted to ask, then he could have just gone, okay, cool, and then gone home, and that would have been the end of our passage, would have been a much shorter gospel than we have today. But it was obviously something deeper that he was getting at, something deeper that he wanted out of this exchange with Jesus. And so it says, but the man was anxious to justify himself. He wasn't satisfied yet. So he says to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Getting a little bit closer to the real question that's at issue. Now, one thing I find interesting, though, is that this golden commandment that he's quoted from the scriptures has two parts. There's the love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the love your neighbor bit. I'm interested that he, he didn't ask anything about loving God, as if perhaps he's just, he just knows all about that. He knows how to love God perfectly. Um, so he's, he's not worried about asking Jesus. Anyway, but what he does ask is, who is my neighbor? He wants to know about how, how, to, how, to, live, how to live that part 
of the commandment out. And this is where Jesus takes up another one of his tactics. Instead of answering the question, he tells a story. So we have this story of what we call the Good Samaritan. The man is on a journey down to, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he gets beaten up. He gets robbed. He's left on the side of the road, left for dead. And there's three people that walk past him. Firstly, the priest walks past. Um, he travels past, but decides to, that he doesn't want to help him. He avoids him and keeps going on his way. Next, we have a Levite comes past, um, and he does the same thing. He crosses to the other side of the path, avoids the man, and keeps on going. But then we have the Samaritan that comes past. And we remember in the various dealings Jesus has with Samaritans that they were basically enemies of the Jews. They considered themselves totally separate and would want nothing to do with one another. And I won't go into the history of why that is, but we remember that fact, that they wouldn't associate with each other at all. And this Samaritan comes and finds the Jewish man half dead on the side of the road. And what does he do? He's filled with compassion and he cares for him. He tends to him, he binds up his wounds, bandages them, takes them, puts them on his own horse or donkey, whatever it is, takes him to the inn, continues to care for him. Then he, he does have to go and see about his own business and do other things. But still, he makes sure the innkeeper looks after him and he comes back a day or two later, whenever it was, and you know, pays off the rest of the costs and makes sure that this man's recovered, that he's all right. So he really looked after him. Then... Jesus pulls out his, his old tactic of he asks another question back to the lawyer. And who, which one of these three men, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, was a neighbor to this man? And what's really important, though, is that this can seem like it's the same question that the lawyer was asking at the beginning. But it's actually quite different. It seems like he's just asking about who is my neighbor. But the question is... Remarkably different. When you think about the lawyer's question, who is my neighbour? He's thinking about the people that he's being asked to love. Um, there's, there's someone in need in front of me. Are they my neighbour or are they not? As if the world is divided into people who are somehow related to me and therefore I consider them my neighbour. And these people aren't related to me enough. They're not in my circle, so therefore they're not my neighbour. I feel obliged to love these people. I don't feel obliged to love these people. Therefore, that's, that's the question. What Jesus is asking is about the one who's offering care to the person in need. Whether, whether the Samaritan or the priest or the Levite, whether they were willing to be a neighbour to the one in care. Not about kind of which category they saw the man on the side of the road to fit in. And in fact, if the Samaritan was asking this same question as the lawyer was, he probably wouldn't have acted how he was, how he did. If the Samaritan walked down the road and asked, okay, there's a man in need, who is my neighbor? Does this man fall in the neighbor category or in the not neighbor category? Oh, wait, no, I'm a Samaritan, he's a Jew, we definitely have nothing to do with each other, I'll walk past on the other side of the road because he's not my neighbor. But the Samaritan wasn't asking that question. The Samaritan was simply moved with compassion in his heart and acted as a neighbor to this man. So it's not about when, when we see this, this command, this call from Jesus to love our neighbor, to love our neighbor as ourself. It's not about an, an external discernment of the circumstances of which people should I love and which people do I not have to worry about. 
It's about whether we're open to be moved with the love of God to care for our brother or sister who happens to be in need in front of us. So the real question for us to ask is not about how how can we learn to discern between neighbours and not neighbours, but what needs to happen in my heart? What kind of change needs to happen within me such that I can be a neighbour to the person in front of me, such that I can be a neighbour to the man that I find on the side of the road or to whoever it is who's in need? And I think the key thing that can happen within us is to know that we belong to the people of God, that we belong to God and that we are loved by Him. Because when when we know that we are part of God's family, that we are loved by Him, then that brings us to that knowledge that every other human being is also God's beloved. He loves them as much as He loves us. And that's, and that's how our heart can be moved with compassion for our brother or sister, just like the Samaritans was. As we come to know the love of God, we come to, to see that Jesus has poured out his life for us. We're, we're blind if we don't also see that Jesus has poured out his life for this person and this person and this person and every other member of the human family who also belong to God, who are also beloved by him. And this is what allows us to respond as a neighbor, to see any person in front of us and to know that this is my neighbor. Whether I'm already involved in their life, whether I have reason to be connected to them, um, whether I have reason to not be connected to them, this is my brother or sister, this is my neighbor, and I'm called to love them. Now this kind of change in our heart can come about in two ways, though. We by learning more about God's love for us, we, we deepen in that heart that wants to go out and care for others, but also if we act out of a neighborly spirit, we act in love for our brothers and sisters, we also discover more of who God is. When I can meet my brother or sister and, and step in and become involved in their lives and care for them and love them, I can discover what God's love really means when I can live out that, that being a member of the human family um, and being a neighbour to all, then I deepen in my faith and my love and my, my knowledge of God. God reveals himself to us in that way as well. So there's a, a, a two-way thing. of we, we learn more about God's love, which helps us to love, and when we love, we learn more about who God is and how much he loves us. And while there's so much more to say about how we can practically live that out, how we can you know, discern how to love our neighbour who's in front of us, how to respond to the needs that we see everywhere. I, I, that's another message for another day. I don't want to give an hour homily today. So um, I just want to leave us with this invitation to be open to the love of God and to be open to knowing that every person is our brother and our sister. It's about opening our hearts to this reality of who we are in God, who we are as human beings, as one family. Because when we know ourselves to belong to this human family, to belong to the beloved people of God, we stop asking the question of who is my neighbor? Is this person my neighbor or not my neighbor? And we can simply be open to that movement of compassion in our hearts. We can be open to to God's love 
for this person and where you can be open to love them and to be a neighbor to them. Hello, Father Dan here. If this homily has been helpful, there are a few things I'd love for you to do. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast or share this episode with someone who might find it helpful. And consider also helping us to expand our mission and reach out to more people by donating at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash donate, or you can click on the link in the podcast description. Thanks so much for joining us and have a blessed week.